You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 178 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is David. I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. No Jason this week, as he is uh, he's otherwise engaged, unfortunately, but he'll be back next week. Uh, I'm sure he's going to miss out on today's show. I'm sure he's uh, he's regretting whatever he's doing. Um, but there you go. That's that's in real life for you. Uh, it's clearly this... not as fun as uh, podcast action, is it? Absolutely not. No, whatever it is, um, can't be as fun as this. Speaking of this week's show, what have we got in store? Well, we promised last week, after looking at the Fireside's Battle Tome, that we'd be taking a deep dive into the uh, Iron Neft Deepkin book this week. Uh, it's actually not really much of a deep dive. It's more of a highlights reel, but still, we're going to be checking out those uh, those fishy creatures uh, that are the Iron Neft Deepkin. Fishy creatures? Uh, fish that, creatures. That, that doesn't sound pleasant at all. It doesn't, does it? Um, so, um, yeah, uh, Andy and Matt will be taking us through that book later on in the show. Um, Kill Team's um, doing quite well at the moment, isn't it, with all these new gangs and Knackman coming out and stuff. So Matt asked us the question last week, what top three Kill Teams would we like to see in the game? So we're going to be discussing our answers this week, and we'll also be opening the floor to the community to reveal their top threes as well, which we'll read out towards the end of the show. And we've also got some interesting tidbits in this week's news, including... Sticking with the sort of Age of Sigma theme for this week, um, with the main segment, some news in regards to uh, updates for the game, which have divided opinion, I think is the um, the best way of describing it. So we'll be letting you know our thoughts during the news. Uh, and yeah, that should be pretty exciting. Uh, but before we get stuck into all of that, let's talk about what we've been doing in the hobby this week. So uh, I will um, I will start us off this week. I have been continuing to paint my um, Tau. My Enforcer Battlesuit is uh, very close to being finished. I'm actually trying uh, highlighting uh, at, at the moment. Um, I've actually gone back to... I thought I'd pinwashed everywhere, but I hadn't. In some places, I, I don't think I had enough um, null oil on my brush, so it kind of doesn't look very like, like it's done anything. So I'm going back over that. But then I'll be giving highlighting a go which is something i just haven't really done that much of in my hobby career but i i really want to push that and matt you've you, well both of you have given me lots of advice in regards to that yeah i'm sure you'll nail it it's one of those things where just give it a go and if it goes wrong you can just brush the paint away with your thumb and then try again yeah yeah so, so you'll, you'll nail it they look good the, the i think the battle suits really take to kind of like edge highlighting and stuff as well and um, i like the kind of the green base of them so yeah looking forward to seeing it done yeah, can't wait. Um, I've also, I mean, I have been building some sisters uh, this week because it looked like I might be trying to build a sisters list for June when we go to a doubles. So I finished building a squad of battle sisters and a, a rhino. Um, but it, it actually looks like I'm going to take the tower, which is probably a much more sensible choice knowing me to the uh, to the doubles in June. Um, we did also all get a game in, but I thought we'd mention that towards the end because that's something we were all involved in. So we'll, we'll finish off the hobby roundup this week with a, with a certain game that we played uh, on this past Sunday. Uh, Andy, what have you been up to in the hobby this week? Um, well, the only thing I've been up to actually spoils the game that we were uh, we going to talk about. Oh. <laughs> um, 
So um, I painted up a certain character from a certain game that might be coming out soonish, maybe. Um, apart from that, though, I haven't actually done any building or painting. I've been doing a lot of hobby planning, I suppose, is probably the best way to describe it. Okay. Um, obviously, you mentioned the uh, 40k doubles in June, um, which all four of us were lucky enough to uh, get two tickets for. So all four of us are going. And um, it looks like me and Matt are going to be taking Chaos Nights. Yeah. So I've been planning um, a 1,000-point Chaos Night list, which, funnily enough, is actually one of my hobby resolutions as well, to paint 2,000 points. I knew there. there was an ulterior motive <laughs> here, Andy. It's always about his hobby resolutions. Uh, I've always wanted to do them. I've actually always wanted to do them. They're cool. I, 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 I fully approve of, of, of Chaos Knights. They're, they're, they're evil, big, stompy death robots. Yeah. I I mean, I like Imperial Knights, but as soon as you throw Chaos into the mix, I love them even more. Um, apart from planning, um, like I said, I painted one model that um, we'll talk about in a sec. But apart from that, I've been reading the Kragnos book, which I picked up at the... Um, Warhammer World 25th anniversary. Um, that's really good. Literally, the first page has a bunch of free guild soldiers roasting some dead ogre gluttons. What? <laughs> because obviously, in the realm of Gur, it's quite harsh and food is scarce. So you, you make do with where you can get it. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I've not been doing that much hobby. I'm, I'm still feeling a little bit of lack of hobby motivation um but looking at like all the kill team stuff from Nakmund and you know that sort of stuff i really feel like jumping into kill team and just trying to get a kill team painted yeah so yeah well we'll, we'll see cool cool uh matt how about yourself well i have been busy <laughs> is the only way to put it. I I I really 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 want to paint my Bliss Barb arches. Unfortunately, with other commitments to the the channel, I've been painting other stuff. I mean, cool stuff, but I really want to get some paint on those Bliss Barbs soon. So I'm painting them. They they will get done. Uh, but I've been painting all sorts of stuff. So you, you alluded to in the intro, Dave, that Kill Team Nackland is currently up for pre-order. Um, we're not going to talk about it on this week's episode. I do have a video and an article over on the website. However, I painted up a lot of the contents of that box. So it comes with a load of sector mechanica scenery. Uh, it's a rough and ready paint scheme. I'm not going to lie, but sprayed them, dry brushed them, put some weathering and washes, did some sponging. I think it's perfectly adequate for the battlefield. That is currently at, uh, at yours, Dave, ready for some gamage, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, I painted the, the, the Chaos Space Marine half of uh, Kill Team Nackmund as well. The Chaos Space Marine Legionnaires. So uh, they're, they're really, really cool. It's basically the standard stock Chaos Space Marine kit. And then an upgrade frame that lets you build all the cool Kill Team specific bits. And I imagine when the new book comes, they will have rules for those said cool bits. Uh, yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing kit. Uh, massive thanks to Games Workshop, as ever, for sending us a, a preview copy to, to review and paint up. And uh, I am desperate to play a game with them. I've got quite a few points of word bearers now, but... Um, I'm 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 gonna hold fire on them like really until the new book comes out hopefully sometime this year uh, because I want to kind of lean into the the crusade path of things like we normally do uh, but that's not all I painted and built this last week and a bit 
because um, as as you've both mentioned too, and there's no point being secretive now because it's me in the last segment. Uh, I've been picking up some Cursed City. So Amel's Amelda Breskov and uh, Glario Van Elton the uh, Third. I painted up for our game of Cursed City. All four of us, Jay included, ventured into the streets of Orphan on our first little um, adventure, didn't we? How, how did we get on, guys? Well, none I, of us died. <laughs> Jay nearly died. Jay very nearly died. He was attacked by flying leeches, which I think you'll agree are the worst type of leeches. Absolutely are. Um, and it wasn't just the leeches, was it? I'm sure he got attacked by something else after that. He, 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 he does tend to get attacked by stuff. It's it was it was a rat. He attacked the rat and nearly got killed by the rat as well. Oh, the, of course, um, yeah. the I forget what they're called, but the the between turn crises did way more damage to us than the actual monsters within the city. We dispatched them pretty quickly, including the vampire. That I was a little bit concerned when I said, <laughs> "Stand there, Andy. You'll definitely be fine." And then a um a a um, cross first bond. Oh, yeah, Vicross Bloodborne got a the, the double charge action, so cleared like ten spaces halfway across the board and nearly ripped Andy a new one. Uh, yeah. Luckily, I think an elf was nearby to uh, put it down. Octrin Glimscree, who's also kind of like a deaf wizard of the group. So when that vampire charged me, I was um yeah, I was a little bit nervous, a little bit nervous. Yeah, it's um <laughs> that's that's really the scary thing we face. I say that though, we did we did face a um Kasagi night guard, but Dave managed to dispatch it in a single turn with your ogre, didn't you? Oh yeah, I mean I had some lucky um rolls, but uh. Yeah, dispatched him fairly quickly, which was uh, pretty satisfying. So I think the first mission was successful. We managed to get all the bits that we needed. We got some loot. We um, are ready for the next mission now. But unfortunately, I think as the <laughs> as the levels go up, the difficulty curve goes up as well. So it was a nice, tr- you know, test, you know, test our, our, our abilities. But I think we're going to have to be a bit more clever with moving. And I think clearing it at speed as well is something that we might fall foul of in the next mission where a uh, suffocating grave tide is eating the Curse City behind us as we go. Um, if you don't know and you don't already have Curse City, Curse City is also currently up for pre-order on a made-to-order basis. If you get it now, you'll get it at the, the, the old price and then it's going to have a general release later in the year. I think it's going to have a slightly higher price when that comes out. So if you get it now, you'll get it at the cheaper rate. And there's going to be expansions and stuff as well. That sounds like a massive plug for Curse City, but I love Curse City, mostly for painting all the gribbly monsters that live in it. I um, thoroughly enjoy doing that. So, yeah, highly recommend it. It's, uh, you know, seeing all your painted soul, uh, soul Blight again, Matt was like, ah, oh, can I get a Soul Blight's army on the go? Well, you could, you, you've got, you've got, Dave. If you've got the Curse City box, which you do, yeah. you've got, a, you know, a fair chunk of the Soul Bites army there. Yeah, might have to yeah. give them a paint at some point once I've caught with all my 40k. That is. Yeah. Well, the uh, the, the game that we had was also um, one of my hobby resolutions as well. You know, Here just, we go. Saying, just saying. I think I'm up to nine out of 28 now. So like that. <laughs> and Andy Hobby Resolution Woods, we should call you. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely excellent yeah so we've been we've been fairly busy um i think that ties up this first intro part of the podcast we've got quite a bit to get through so we're going to take a pause and we'll be right back with the news (laughs) 
So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? So we've got some cool things up for pre-order this weekend, uh, a lot of which we've seen in the, um, I forget what the box is called, Hex Flame, I believe it was called, uh, mm. 40k Battle Box, and it is the Thousand Suns and the Grey Knights. We've got the Infernal Master, he is £24, he's a, what is he Dave, he's like a caster HQ. He's, um, he's basically like a chaplain. Like a chaplain, but an evil chaplain. An with, evil chaplain. With baby uh, screamers of Zinch. So that is a massive improvement over the Imperial variety. I'm not at all biased to the forces of chaos. <laughs> uh, and we've also got Castellan Crow. He doesn't seem like a particularly pleasant guy going around exercising people who haven't asked for that. And by exercising, I mean putting a bolt round through the head. Um, but it's a really cool model, though. And if I ever did, uh, you know, fall to the sway of the, the Grey Knights, I would definitely be painting one up. Uh, I think, yeah. Does Jay painted this guy up? I think he's painted him. He looked quite a cool model. Yeah, he did, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and if you want to start or expand a Thousand Suns or a Grey Knight army, we have got combat patrols out for both of them. So these are at £90 each, and you get essentially a, a, a small legal army, I guess is the best way of describing a combat patrol. So the Thousand Suns one contains said Infernal Master, five Scarab Occult Terminators, and then a truck full of of Zangors. Now, we have said in the past, this is arguably not the best box, maybe. I wonder if it had gone down better if they swapped half of those Zangors for a unit of Rubik Marines or something. I absolutely agree. I think I think it would have been a much better box. But if you're a Zangor heavy list, then yeah, go for it. There's a lot of blue goats with bolters and chainsaws and stuff, and last pistols, whatever they've got. They're, they're angry, they're blue, and... You can use them when they they're coming for you. And they're coming for you, exactly. On the other hand, we have got a decent combat patrol for the Grey Knights. It contains a librarian in Terminator armor, five Grey Knights in Terminator armor, five Grey Knights in power armor that can be built as a variety of different flavors of Grey Knight, and a Nemesis Dread Knight. Um, I think that's a really good box myself. A couple of if, them, you've got a, a, a decent Grey Knights army. If I wasn't already working on a million 40k projects, I'd probably be tempted by that box. Spray them silver, wash them, highlight them, job done. Job done. So, yeah, that is the, that is the pre-orders today. So, um, not, not, not a massive amount of stuff, but some, some decent stuff. And we know that we've got uh, Custodies and Gene Steeler Courts coming next month, I believe, in Combat Patrol form. The Both of them look really, really good as well. So, yeah, yeah exciting times. We've, that's not all the news, though, Dave. That is not all the news. Now, we, there's a video uh, revealed by Warhammer Community in the last week armoring a space marine. David, do you want to tell us who this Because you, you attended a special uh, preview of this thing. I did. So we were luckily uh, selected to get to see this a couple of days before everybody else. Um, and man, what a cool video this is. They've really gone to town picking out all the details over something we've seen in a few images. I don't think we've ever seen a video, though, before of a Space Marine gearing up for battle. Um, but that's exactly what this is. It's a Primaris Marine. He's an Ultramarine. And uh, he's getting suited up um, in a very, you know, it's called a, a ritual and it very much is. They're the using like servo schools full of incense uh, and all sorts to um, to get this ultramarine ready. The only question I had uh, was how many of these chambers do they have? Because it's quite a lengthy process to get a space marine ready for battle. I suspect you, you stand outside and they give you a little token that you hang on the door. And then, <laughs> you know, if, you, if your power armor doesn't fit, a guy will come and get you into the helmet for you. That's what I imagine happens anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, very very cool video. Thanks to, uh, to Games Workshop for for letting us get in there really to watch that. And if if you haven't watched it yet, um, it is over on Warcom, uh, and it's over on the official Warhammer Forty Thousand website as well. Um, so if you're kind of new to the game, you might have been on there, but if not, check out that website and you can see it in full. Yeah, I'd I'd like to see more of this kind of stuff from GW. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was yeah. very um, it, it was very. It, it flowed, as silly as this sounds, it flowed very well. It felt very high quality. Mm. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't know if you guys have been watching Exodite, but it felt very much like that. But it seemed to f- it seemed to flow a lot better. Mm. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I when I sort of like watched it, I, I didn't know how enjoyable it was going to be but just watching it i was just like oh wow yeah that was actually really fun to watch and i'd love to see like i said love to see more stuff like that what's well, cool, about... cool i'll go on to sorry. Tape, sorry um what what's um actually kind of caught us out is when we were watching this sort of preview stream a lot of people were saying like you know what is this in aid of is it going to be tied behind a warhammer plus subscription is this leading on to something and the guys are like no, it's just the one-off very cool thing, <laughs> which I yeah. thought was really, really good. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, the advantage of them having their like own in-house um, you know, animation team now is that they can do some really fun stuff like that. You know, just 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 for funsies, which is uh which is pretty cool. I mean, was I the only one that wanted to build some primary space marines after watching it? I wanted to build some Chaos Space Marines, but yeah, close oh, enough. I was just about to say that as well. <laughs> uh, you, 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 you're kind of uh, very outnumbered today from the forces of Chaos, aren't you? Uh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, don't worry, don't worry. So so if I know we're all fans of Crusade and the narrative of the Warhammer 40,000 universe, but beware, it looks like all of the, um, the, the Warzone books and the Crusade supplements are on last chance to buy. Which is a surprise. Mm. Um, so if you are missing any of you in your collection, uh, I'd get them sooner than later because I, I, I suspect this, these will be gone once once they've sold out on the site, which is a shame. I kind of get it from a, I guess, a skew point of view. That's a lot of books to have in stock, isn't it? And keep it printing. Uh, and, it you know, is. maybe they do like a single print run or something. Um, I, don't, I, I, I don't know sales stats and how well these things sell. I very much enjoyed the Warzone book. Uh, books more so than the Psychic Awakening books. I think they were a far superior book with with more emphasis on the lore and stuff as well. And Crusade, we've said lots about Crusade in this channel. channel. If you haven't got any, pick up a couple of them um, because they're, they're, they're really fun. And generally, when we go and play games, we, we predominantly use Crusade and it's playing in a tournament, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. Um, I think the, the the thing that gets me about this is I can understand from like all the narrative kind of in stories and stuff that's not going to be around forever. But there's quite a few current rules in these books that aren't available anywhere else. Um, does that mean some of those will see in books soon? I mean, we don't have many books left, I guess. So the answer yeah, is probably I, yeah. I, I do wonder. I do wonder. I don't know anything. I don't know anything here, but I do wonder for for. These are a narrative-based book, and really the rules in there are based around the narrative in those books. Now, what we've seen for some of the the, the non-mainline games, so Blood Bowl, uh, Warcry, Aeronautica, is compendium books at the end of the year, an annual, if you will, containing just the rules content. Mm. And I do wonder, could we see that for 40k? gathering together all the random stuff that doesn't have a home so like the novitiates sheet and like you say the rules out of these warzone books 
that'd be pretty cool as a a rules compendium that people can pick up and then the warzone box then exists for lore arguably that's a good model for codex releases and stuff anyway but that's another subject yeah yeah um yeah that, that that would be cool um do you think we'll ever see stuff like the armies of renown and things be folded into new codexes i would suspect yes 10th edition though yeah yeah good call good call now andy you you are a fan of the middle earth strategy battle game are you not <laughs> yes i'm quite a quite a good big fan of uh, the middle earth strategy battle game and, and is it fair to say you're a fan of the Easterlings? I, I do like the the, the forces of uh, ruin. I think it is. It is the well, I have got good news for you. For the Emperor, the Dragon Emperor himself has come, and he's got a snazzy new model. Uh, do you want to tell us a bit about this? Yeah, so it, it looks like a, a a giant palaquin that's being held aloft by six Easterling bodyguards. And you've got the the Dragon Emperor, the leader of all of the Eastling faction, commanding from the top. Now, what it looks like on the community article is that not only can you field him on his palaquin, but if he chooses to leave it or it gets destroyed, there's actually an on-foot version of the Dragon Emperor as well. You know what's now, really cool? My favourite part is when he dismounts, the guys carrying him then become... Uh, guys on foot as well, black dragons. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't believe they're included in the kit. I think you probably have to get them separately. But how cool is that? He's like, put this palanquin down. We're fighting hand to hand, boys. They'll drop him down, and then yeah, you've got him and a unit. That's really cool. Yeah, uh, it, I mean, we've seen so many teasers now of this warm the north supplement, but it's it's got to be pretty soon. I mean, the, the, the dragon emperor for me is obviously like the big centerpiece model, and for me, I. I, I've been putting off buying the Eastland Commanders for so long that I think I'm going to have to start trickling in some Eastlings to get them built and painted for when this model comes out. So then I can just jump on this guy and try and get him done. So, yeah, he, I'm super excited by him. I think he's really cool. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And equally can't wait for that uh, that book so we can play through some dwarf on easterling action um now if you're a fan of playing games aeronautic imperialis we have seen the hemlock wraith fighters and the nightshade interceptors over on warcom as well these are cool it's it's aeronautica the teeny tiny little versions of the 40k ones but in resin from forge world uh, rules for these were in the aeronautica commendium but um I, I guess the models have been a little bit delayed from that main release so if you are an eldari player you can uh, get some more planes for your warband, fleet, armada. I'm not sure what the technical term is for a collection of planes. They look cool, though. Speaking of Eldari as well, um, this is a bit of a controversial one. Now, Wartarks have got a profile in the Eldari Codex. However, they, they were very clever when designing the new Autark kit, that it is fully compatible with the previous Autark kit, and you can mix and match the weaponry and wings and accessories and stuff. By mixing and matching, using the rules out of the codex, you couldn't actually create legal combinations. It's a bit like the situation with the uh, Sisters of Battle. I think there was a canonist loadout that you couldn't actually do as per the rules. Uh, so what they have done is created a new profile for the Hortarks, uh, which basically gives you every single weapon options for both the current ones and any of the old models as well. 
it's a bit of a shame this wasn't in the book, considering the book's not too old. No, I mean, looking at the Codex, the Codex is, you know, almost the same size as a Space Marine Codex. So the fact that they've, you know, accidentally, I can only assume accidentally, meant left, you know, a little, made a little bit of a mistake on the Autark data sheet. I think, you know, fair enough. You know, it's, it's one of those, I mean, would, would I have liked it? to have been addressed in the codex before it came out yes is it a big issue no so i think the fact that we've put it on the community site and said hey listen we you know we missed this a little bit here's the updated data sheet it was great i think it's great yeah it certainly gives you more options for your autarks um what are your, what are your views dave on 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 i guess uh, errata soon after publication i um in some cases i think they're unavoidable i think there's so many people playing warhammer that you know people are going to pick up on things this autark one i just cannot understand that they've released a multi-part model which they shouted about on warcom had all these different mix and match options and yet didn't base that in the data sheet i just i just don't understand how that's been overlooked um so that kind of thing i think is is very disappointing um personally but um other things, you know, like points and stuff, as annoying as it is, I can understand how that happens. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a shame, isn't it? But um, at least the updated rules are on the site as well. So, yeah. And finally, something else that is on the site and has caused, again, some controversy on, <laughs> on, on the Internet is the Warhammer Age of Sigmar Battle Scroll The Hunt. So... Every now and then they'll put out a battle scroll to try and address the balance of the game. Um, I think it's a, a fact of life that some units are very, very, very good and are no-brainer picks for a lot of armies. And some units, or in some cases entire armies, are not really up to scratch, unfortunately. Now, what they've decided to do this time is something a bit different. What you can do is you can change rules, you can change points. There's lots of things you can do to address this. They've gone for a bit of a different tactic this time with the hunt. And this essentially, uh, in universe kind of terms, means that there's a bounty on various targets that is rewarded if you kill them. Um, Certain units have been given the priority target keyword. And that means if they're slain during the game, you earn victory points equal to the reward value now some units are marked as prime hunters they're maybe the ones that aren't performing so greatly and if a prime hunter slays a priority target they get an additional victory point so for grand alliance order we've got fulminators yeah they're pretty good Stormbreak guard yeah vanguard raptors with long track crossbows the spirit of the wind severeth the lord of the seventh wind bloodstalkers marathi Bastilodons with solar engines and salamander hunting packs. All of those will gain you a victory point if you kill them. Good luck killing Marathi. And um, for, for order units gaining the Prime Hunters keyword, it's Sylvaneth. They get additional victory points if they kill any of these units on this document. For destruction, bad news, boys. Mega Boss on Moor Crusher now gives up an extra victory point if he's slain. Um, Gatebreaker and Kraken Eater Mega Gargants give up two victory points, and the War Stomper gives up a victory point. With Gloomspite Gits and Uruk War Clans Bone Splitters becoming Prime Hunters and getting bonus points if they kill stuff. For Chaos, Bellacore the Dark Master, outrageous, is uh, given up a victory point if he's slain, as is Kairos Fate Weaver, Pink Horrors, 
and a demon prince with a mark of corn and gaining the prime hunters keyword are skaven dave and mm-hmm. head knights of slanesh and then finally grand lion's death there's no priority target however night haunt and osiok bone reapers get the prime hunters keyword so what do we think of all this well. on, you're the Sigma guy. <laughs> um i've got quite strong opinions about this but i'll let you guys go first and then i'll, I'll finish it off Okay, okay, so I I like the idea that we've given some of the weaker armies this Prime Hunters rule so they get an extra reward for killing any of these monsters. What I'm struggling to see is how, say, if a Gloom Spike Gits army manages to kill Marathi and gets a victory point, I suspect the difference in victory points will be gigantic <laughs> compared to that one point they've got for finally killing Marathi. The, 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 the bow snakes, you're probably not going to be able to kill them. The, the, the spirit of the wind is annoying. He, he can jump around and stuff. Fulminators have already gone through, and dragons have already gone through that gloom spike gets army by the time they get to attack. Um, Head Knights of Slanesh? I, well, I mean, I'm probably taking, if I get these bliss barbs done, probably taking Slanesh to the team event. And I can see some situations where a summoned keeper could absolutely blend through one of these um, priority targets and gain some victory points. But again, the same problem is, if your army's already been destroyed by dragons breathing fire on you in turn one, then there's not going to be many of your units left to um, to deal with them. Um, Yeah, I... I think the problem with some of the units on this list is that they are just too strong and need a war scroll revision. We talked about Stormdrake Guard uh, the other day. I, I love the idea of having an army of dragons, but just because they're cool, I, it kind of turns me off them a little bit that they're so powerful. I don't want to be that guy taking the dragon list. If they, even if they got rid of the mortal wounds thing on the on the fire. I'd be like, yeah, cool, okay, they're fun. All the top tournament players stop, drop them, and I'm like, yeah, let's go for an army of dragons because they're cool. Um, you know, we've talked about the spirits of the wind in the past. They're really frustrating in that there's just they can stop you from charging. They can just move wherever they like, about 60 million inches. They're a bit frustrating to fight against. Marathian snakes. Again, that we have got a new Daughters of Cain book coming, so that might get addressed there and amended a little bit, perhaps. Obviously, they're very strong. We see them in a lot of lists. The only one I kind of agree with is the Mega Gargans, because the, the way they work is essentially sitting on objective all day. So giving the enemy a reward of two victory points for taking them down, I kind of agree with. I think that's quite cool. <laughs> Your games are going to be closer, aren't they, against the Mega Gargans, I, I think because they're a low model count. I don't think you could have said that any better, Matt. You you basically touched on all the points I was going to make. Um, the one or two victory points here and there, in the grand scheme of things, they're not going to make that much of a difference on the on the game as a whole. Um, take the Skaven, for example. You know, they're just not very competitive at the moment unless you're taking, you know, lots of Storm Fiends and you might be able to get some luck. But that's not the kind of list I want to run. If I run the Skaven list of my dreams... Um, you know, if I do manage to kill one, it's it's not going to make a difference. I'm I'm probably going to be table turn to turns two and three. Um, so yeah, disappointing. I think is is the best thing I can say about this data sheet. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've, they've obviously have tried to make a um, an update here, and it's 
I guess it will take some data to see how it plays out. This is just initial thoughts based on, you know, we only saw this a couple of hours ago. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, that, I suppose I was being super, super critical there. They've obviously tried something different than rather than just hiking up the points of the dragons or whatever. Um, they, they've wanted to do something a bit different. Um, I just, I just don't know if, I just don't know if this is it. I don't know if this is the answer. Yeah, I. I, I was at work yesterday when this got announced and so naturally of course I didn't have a lot of time to think about it yesterday but looking at it this morning I kind of uh, gathered my thoughts and thought about it and my, I, this is going to sound very critical but I think the, the whole thing is a great idea badly executed because I look at it and I just think to myself like the points that Matt's made you know if you get a storm drake guard army for example with um 11 dragons in it okay great you're going to get some points if you can kill them but you know most armies aren't going to kill them you're just going to get tabled like turn one turn two at which point what has this update done it hasn't you know so my my honest opinion is and i i don't want to sound overly critical but i think it's pointless the way it is i mean Obviously, they give you two points for killing a Gatebreaker and a Kraken Eater, which is great. Like, for me as a Gargant player, I don't, as silly as it sounds, because I love playing small elite armies, and Gargants are obviously an elite army. There's not a lot of models. So for me, I love playing them for that reason. But when you sit a Gargant on an objective and you go, right, okay, if you can't kill me in two turns, I've won the game, that's bad. And giving your opponent some points for killing your gargan, okay, that's you know that that that's good. But if they don't kill you at the right time, again, those points won't you know won't really matter. And when you look at this, the the points that you get for killing these units, I don't mind it if it was balanced a bit more, like Marathi. Marathi is one point for killing Marathi. Well, Marathi survives for at least three battle rounds, uh, three player turns, sorry, if not more. Like, it takes realistically four player turns to kill Marathi, but she's only worth one point. Whereas whereas a reinforced unit of Salamanders, which you can easily kill in a turn, depending on, you know, where it is on the board and what you've got uh, to do stuff to it and whatever, will give you two points. And so I look at that and I'm just like, it it's not rewarding you enough for killing those units. And then you look at sort of like the, the prime hunters, you've got Hedonites of Slash and Skaven, which I think we can all agree need a little bit of a boost and a little bit of love. But then Blades of Corn and, and Beasts of Chaos aren't on that list either, which I don't quite understand why. Um and and it it's I don't if I was like an Iron Jaws player, for example, I wouldn't look at my list of two mega bosses and more crushes and think, oh no, I can lose potentially two big tree points by taking these two more crushes and losing them. Because if I've lost these two more crushes early on, I've probably lost the game anyway. Mm. Uh, or if you lose in turns three or turn four, then they've probably done everything I wanted them to do. And I'm just not bothered about losing two victory points. So mm. I I like the balance data, like the uh, battle scroll. I just think it's done. But I, one of my criticisms of the previous one they did, the 
gods and heroes one um was it was too conservative and i feel like this one is 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 the same thing it's just too conservative it it's not doing anything to address those units you know you look at marathi and the bow snakes which is you know pretty much every competitive daughter's list at the minute and the issue with that is the fact that the bow snakes can shoot in the hero phase and the shooting phase yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of it's fundamental things with the war squad that need to change i've got a theory on this one and obviously we'll have to see what happens but i suspect this update will make those top players that take these lists actually end the game with a higher victory point different because say 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 i rocked up to 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 warhammer world in an event and i've got a unit of formulators in my army essentially that that top tier player gets a free victory point for killing that and i'm probably not going to be able to scratch their army so they've got a higher lead overall yeah mm. it like i said i i like the updates but they, they need to be more impactful otherwise they're just a bit yeah pointless unfortunately so yeah I've got I've I've got I've got an idea now. Let me just run this by you. What if there was a secondary resource to spend on these? Let's call them S tier units. Say if you, uh, I don't know, you went into negative victory points at the start of the game for just having them in your list. Ooh. I. Yeah, I would like something along those lines. Um, I mean, you've got power level forty k and like you said with sort of uh, taking away victory points before you started the game my my issue is that is i don't like penalizing players for taking those units in the what sense about, what that, about combination of units then call it a reverse war, uh, um, uh, war scroll yeah I, so you take marathian snakes you start the game two victory points down you take marathi by yourself that's fine you take a storm trait guard unit, no issues. You take three units of them, it costs you three victory points. Something like that, maybe. Yeah, so because uh, I I feel like players should be allowed to take, you know, like Marathi and bow snakes, for example. But maybe you can't take more than ten bow snakes, and then that to me feels significantly better because that's what like forty less shots, if my math is right. Yeah, even even a rule 20. on them saying they can only be reinforced once or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something along those lines. Then that would that would limit them, and then this would have this bat scroll update would have a bit more of an impact. So uh, yeah, something along those lines. So yeah, controversial, but but you know what? All the cool kids are waiting for the Path to Glory supplements to come out anyway. <laughs> we'll let the top tier <laughs> players argue about this on on the more you know. Uh, competitive podcasts <laughs> yeah can't wait for more path to glory content uh, really looking forward to that excellent that wraps up this week's news it's time to pick up the agnef deepkin battle tome take a dive in and check out its highlights we'll be right back So Games Workshop were very kind enough to send us the latest battle tome for the Adnef Deepkin, which Matt devoured and put into a glorious review, which you can find the link to in the podcast notes. 
because it's um, it's out now, isn't it? Of course, and, exactly. and we have got the review. Uh, I think we're, we're going to kind of check out some of the highlights and have a bit of a general chat about the battle tome as a whole. Now, Matt, as the the reviewer, I'm going to hand the mic over to you uh, to take it away with the segment. So, a wise man once said. We got no troubles. Life is the bubbles under the sea. And they're, 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 they're strong words that I'm going to follow through with this this review of the book. Yeah, the deep kin. They're fish elves. They're kind of a bit sinister and techless, crafted them and then didn't really like them. So literally dumped them in the sea and left them and ignored them. And there's a bit of a, you know, an issue going on there with that. But it's fine because they stole his magic torch and helped Marathi become a god. So that's probably fine. And then they secretly pledged an allegiance to Marathi and helped her take over Anvil Guard and murder a load of order. Again, maybe fine. And now apparently they keep it a secret and the rest of order don't know that the Deepkin are working with Marathi and friends. I'm sure it'll all work out fine. There's definitely not going to be any repercussions of that whatsoever. Uh, yeah, Deepkin. So I, I was a big fan of the Deepkin when they came out. Mostly because you could have an army of like fish and sharks and turtles and eels and all sorts of cool stuff. And for a long time, the go to um, Deepkin list was units and units of eels because eels were really, really cool and they did loads of damage and they were amazing. Um, but Andy, you've, you've been on the competitive scene in the past. That was kind of the only Deepkin list that you saw. Yeah, I mean, you saw 27 Morsaw Guard, a Soul Scryer, and a Kelly and King, and that was pre- pretty much the standard list. I mean, there was a few people kicking around with out there thinking lists with, you know, some Thralls and Reavers and, you know, you know, a bit more of a mixed list doing well. But, yeah, especially when um, Deepkin first splashed onto the tournament Ooh. team, um, it was literally just all eels. Yeah, he was. And, you know, he was cool. And I, again, like we said about the dragons earlier, I don't like to be that guy with everything. So I'd take a um, aspect of the sea and I'd take some sharks and I'd take a turtle. They weren't necessarily the most competitive choices, but they looked cool. Like what we said about the Fire Slayers book last week, though, I think the Deepkin book's done a really good job of making different lists viable now. I mean, there's almost an argument to say that the exact other extreme is now really, really good where you want to go all in with your Namata units because they are bananas good, aren't they, Andy? Yeah, I mean, the, the Thralls and the Reavers have both had a substantial ink like buff. I mean, the Thralls now have a two-inch reach, which is great, and the Reavers, now they're shooting yeah people will be scared of them now like generally scared of of reavers and thralls um which is great to see i mean you touched on the fact that you know that this book is not going to be like the previous book it's not going to be eels and eels and eels one thing that i i looked on and you know i'll, I'll praise games workshop and the development team for this is every single war scroll in this battle tome is good and every single war scroll in this battle tome is worth taking. And looking mm. at like um, writing army lists and stuff like that, I'm like, I mean, you look at the enclaves, all of the enclaves, I was well impressed by them. Like, again, they're all worth taking and they all encourage different builds. 
Yeah, well, you know what? That's that's a good segue. Let's have a quick chat about the enclaves because one of the things I found, and uh, already in some of the groups, I'm seeing people gravitate towards the same kind of list that people. I don't know if another another podcast or websites maybe given some example list and everybody's using that, but um, I I think there's quite a lot of of you know different stuff you can do. Um, the the tides of death is pretty much exactly the same as it was in the previous book. The fact that you can only shoot the cl- the closest ones exactly the same uh issue and rituals have changed somewhat you basically pick an army-wide buff that applies to your army it basically ties into one of the tides there are ways to get multiples of those and swap those and there's some really fun stuff there for example during the high tide which is the third battle round giving every namati unit on the battlefield a five plus ward save yes that means your basic battle line will have a five plus ward which is amazing uh, enclaves, however, have changed somewhat from the previous book. So you've got Iron Rack, which was always the um, the kind of eel heavy one, wasn't it? And basically that lets you do a special um, heroic action where basically you can let, let make them treat as a different tide. Arguably not the greatest one, but it's still got its uses. There's Nautilar, which is the Leviathan loving enclave, uh, and they have a special monstrous rampage that they unlock um basically turns the the uh, rend to minus three on the leviadon's fins and jaws which is pretty horrific and better than that they can take leviadon's as battle line because who doesn't love an army of turtles uh, more fan are um the kind of i guess a bit more uh healing one summoning one whatever you want to put it so the soul renders in a uh, Morphan army add three to the number of slain models that return. Basically, they're your summoners and they can bring back your units. So that's pretty cool. Futhan is the sharky one and an enclave that I think a lot of people are going to go heavily into because um, you unlock battle line sharks. You get a special unit choice called a bloodthirsty shiver. Which is an interesting unit. It's it's technically a unit made up of three units of Alapexes. They can all act independently. However, each turn you can pick a shark from that shiver and it gets um, ex- uh, exploding sixes. So each hit of a six counts as two hits. However, if that shark is within um, three inches of another shark from the same shiver, shame shiver, the same shiver, each hit of six counts as three hits. And those sharks do hit like trucks now as well. So I think this will be a super popular one. If you buy a Bloodthirsty Shiver as well, it also counts as three battle line. So you can take your unit of three units of sharks and there's your battle line choices done. And you can add in some cool stuff for flavor. Domhine is arguably the, um, the strongest one. I think that we're going to see some really, really cool stuff with this, especially if you go heavy into the um, Namati stuff, because depending on whether you're going first or second within a battle round, you get one of two different um, abilities. So with the with the Dom Hain um, enclave rules, if you manage to do a charge and you, you've killed a unit, you can attempt to make a second charge again if you're within 12 inches of enemy units at the end of your, your combat phase. That is really, really good, considering how good those Namata units are in combat as well. 
yeah, it's we, like crazy good. Yeah, we see we see that a lot with um, Blood Tooth and Iron Jaws, and you know, just the ability to go in charge a unit that is you know quote unquote a screen or something along those lines, absolutely wreck it, and then charge you know potentially characters and stuff like that behind you. You know, if you're not expecting it, or even if you are expecting it, you know, there's there's not really much you can do, and that can turn. You know, again, we talked about you know the Marty Frolls and stuff like that. They with a turn treat, they can get a lot of attacks now. You know, they can blend through units, and then being able to charge a unit behind you, know, even if they lose priority next turn, your opponent's still locked in combat with you. So yeah, that's, it's a really strong one. Yeah, I I think that's probably my favourite one. Uh, and then the final choice is Bryomdar, I think it's called. And basically, your Skull Soul Scryer can teleport three units instead of two. Again, it's got some uses, but it's not my favourite one. Um, have you got any thoughts on the other enclaves I've mentioned, Andy? Yeah, I mean, like I said, they, they all encourage different builds. You know, if you want to go for tons of new Marty Thralls backed up by Soul Renders, you know, then you, you're going to go for one that adds free to the amount of models that come back because I believe it's like D3 normally so being able to bring back D3 plus 3 especially when they have for 2 inch reach with 2 attacks basic you know bringing back 6 guys in a unit is 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 a big deal you know it will make a big difference um, but if you want to go for you know Leviadons and obviously Nautilus is really good I think the Iron Rack one like you said allows um, is it it allows two one unit to benefit from two other tides in the same turn or something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it can be affected by the flood tide or the ebb tide in addition to whatever tides already in effect. So there's some really cool stuff you can do with combos there, especially when you factor in the um, the prayer, the the ritual abilities as well, where a lot of those you'll get another ability within a certain tide. So yeah, some really strong stuff you can do there. Yeah, I mean, looking at the the tides, because obviously that's like the the big thing. I I was not expecting it to stay the same, but because they've sort of like rebalanced the war scrolls, you know, the the Kellyan King now can't stack that plus one attack buff on units of eels, so eels can't get like five attacks each, you know, that sort of stuff. I, I mm. look at it now and I I feel like it it's it's strong, it's good, but it's not over the top. And looking at the um the other ability where you can only shoot the closest unit that's huge especially at the minute when you've got so many armies that are like you know we talked about um bloodstalkers and marafi in the previous segment y- you know you-, you throw a leviadon you know are they going to kill it in a turn mm, maybe not probably not you know you throw a unit of nine ishlin guard are we going to kill it no probably not and then you know i don't know if one of the the great things about them is they're so flexible. You know, they've, they've got that speed. You know, they can get to you very quickly. And, you know, forcing your opponent to not shoot at your key units, it's going to be huge. I mean, if I was a KO player, I, I would not want to play against Iden Lift Deepkin. Well, there's some, there's some really fun stuff as well. So, the obviously, you mentioned the, um, the, the Achillean King, and I think this is one of the... One of the first books from even like Warhammer Fantasy days, where the, you can really change the loadout of your heroes with the enhancements in this book. Um, I don't know if you have a, a deep look into them yet, but for example, you could create a Achillean King tank 
by giving him the command trait where at the end of each Battleshock phase, and that's both players' Battleshock phase, on a dice roll of a six, they heal all wounds allocated to them. And then you combat that with the Artifact of Power, where an unmodified hit of six doesn't get any bonus effects against him. So Sun Metal Arrows from the um, Luminous, for example, wouldn't get their um, their mortal wounds on hits of sixes. So you can run out with him, take some damage, potentially heal up to full damage in your turn, and then do all sorts of shenanigans. Uh, Yeah, I mean, for me, looking at the book, the enhancements and the warlord traits for me were were kind of the only bit of a book that I kind of look at and think, "Mm, it's okay. Like like you said, healing... um, Rolling a dice and is it? Uh, it's on a six, isn't it? You so it's only always. on a six, but you've got two chances per turn for that to happen. Yeah, I I kind of look at that and think to myself, you're you're either going to take a wound and then roll that six, at which point it's. Mm, but if you you know it because they have like six, seven, eight wounds, something like those lines. So if they take you down to like one or two wounds and then you roll back six, you know, again, that, you know, it's a big deal. You know, there are battle tactics and grand strategies that rely on, you know, keeping your characters alive, keeping your general alive. So in that sense, it's it's good. But I feel like it's a bit too situational for it to be. I, I, well, well, Andy, it, Andy, if you, if, if, if you want to go for a more aggressive Achillean King, the other combo, of course, is going for the Unstoppable Fury command trait. He gets two additional attacks characteristic for each enemy unit within three inches of him. That's pretty cool. Tell you what, why not give him a potion that gives him plus one to hit, plus one to wound, plus one attack, plus one to run, plus one to charge. One turn, one use only in the following turn. You take D3 mortal wounds and you can't pile in, but you just neck it and kill whatever you're into. And if that isn't enough, you then combo that with the mount trait to give his mount plus one attack on all his um, on all his uh, attacks. You end up with an Achillean King who is hitting on twos with a pole arm, which could have you could have a lot of attacks if you hit multiple units. Wounding on twos, minus three rend, three damage absolutely bananas good i think fully loaded out going into multiple units the achillean king with a pole arm on the charge could potentially kill most things in the game yeah i mean gearing him up to do that if i remember right he flies as well so charging him into sort of like characters and you know those key pieces and he goes in and just assassinates a unit that that is really good um uh, I it, it it for me personally it didn't scream out like I needed a second enhancement in this book. Like don't get me wrong, it would be cool to throw in like an arcane tome onto a unit or something like those lines. But um, yeah, I I just felt like the some of the enhancements were a bit. Mm, whereas with the fire slayers, we had you know there was maybe two artifact two enhancements that you probably wouldn't take. With this Idenif book, I, I felt like there was a handful that i would want to take yeah i mean the all the idle ones don't really grab me really there's the 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 hall shell where you can't get hit on ones and twos now somebody did comment saying well you know a lot of things will will hit on an unmodified two but again that's only ones are failing anyway so that's only additional one in six that aren't affecting you um Mm. 
the Kraken Tooth's cool in theory, but I think it's a bit too random to actually do anything useful. That was my favourite one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's, it's, you've got a one in six chance of slaying a target unit. And if it's got more than 10 wounds, it suffers 2d6 mortal wounds. I think it's just, you've got an equal chance of taking mortal wounds yourself from it. So I think it's a bit... Mm, I do like the brain barnacles for the issue in Heroes, where you pick up enemy hero within 12 inches, you roll 2d6. If you roll greater than the distance between you and the target, that hero is minus one to hit and wound for the rest of the game. That is really cool. Obviously, to get the most effect from it and, and reliably get it off, you're wanting to get your issuance within seven inches of an enemy target. And say it's, I don't know, Marathi or, or Abaddon or someone. Abaddon? Wrong universe. They can try it on Abaddon. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have you know be in 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 buffet range of that big gribbly monster that's probably gonna eat your face so if it doesn't work you're probably knackered um onto the units there's been a lot of love given to to some underrepresented units in this book hasn't there andy i think we've mentioned the the namati units we'll run through them quickly here just to cover what they do so namati thralls have got two attacks each hitting on threes wounded on threes minus one random one damage if they're attacking something that's got a wounds characteristic of one, they get an additional attack. So that's three attacks each. And if they're attacking a uh, unit with a wounds characteristic of three or more, they add one to the damage, so they damage two. That's pretty tasty by itself. However, you stand them nearby an Achillean Thrallmaster, they are um, hitting on twos. No, they're not. Something gives them plus one to hit. I forget what it is, Andy. Um, Lotan, I think, can give them plus one to wound. Um, and obviously, Lotan was a bit of a joke in the previous battle term. You never ever saw him. But now, if you're going to go down that route and take thralls and stuff like that, then yeah, that that plus one to wound is incredible because once you throw in like an all-out attack, you know, you, you take ten thralls with a two-inch reach. That's Thirty attacks, hitting on twos, wounding on twos, minus one, one damage. You know that that's good. You know for 130 points, I think we are something along those lines. That's insane amount of damage output. So yeah, look looking at um, you know the thralls. You know they, they've definitely given them a big buff. I mean, I think since uh, the first battle term came out, they um, the two inch reach. They've they've needed that so badly because the one inch reach on a 32 mil base is yeah it really limits them yeah i, I mean and some course of you stack with that so the, the thrall master the guy out of the the recent battle box he's got a couple of abilities that he can do to either make them minus one to wound when targets are attacking them or give them exploding hits on sixes so your attack unit of 10 with a million attacks can get even more attacks chained off that uh like I say, there's ways to give them a five plus ward save as well in certain tides. They can potentially go in, destroy something and then charge again and destroy something else if they're in the right enclave. I think we're going to see an awful lot of Namati thralls on the table. I think they're the best unit in the book. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, looking at the book, I think there's going to be sort of four big builds that come out of it. You, you're probably going to have your Leviadons, because someone is going to want to run three of them. You know, it's going to happen. Yeah. You've, you've got your eels, you've got your thralls, and then you've got your sharks. And then you can even throw in kind of like a, a mixed arms army with a bit of everything. And I, I think the fact that you can build so many different 
builds from this battle tome just shows how good the battle tome is. Yeah, it really is. And, and your mixed army will still be a strong army. Obviously, you can lean into into specializations, can't you, with the enclaves? But this, uh, if you've got a collection of items and stuff, you can pick up whatever looks cool and be able to make a strong list around it. And that's a good sign of a battle tome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you look at all the um, issuing characters and stuff like that, and one of the core things about them is they've effectively given them all an amulet of destiny by giving them all a five plus ward save. Yeah, and that you know what? I wonder if that's a conscious counter to the kind of snipey lists that we see at the minute, where it's so easy to take out support characters, even with the minus one to hit. Yeah, uh, yeah, I mean... Obviously, they've got the whole you can't shoot unless you're the closest unit and stuff. So it's really kind of just for combat. Um, but yeah, looking at them, you know, five, you know, the Tidecaster, for example, five wounds of a four up save. Well, I mean, the four up save on a wizard is amazing, you know. Um, but yeah, you throw in that five plus ward save, and all, you know, most other armies would kill to have an artifact that did that, let alone a special rule. Um, and yeah, I mean, all of the characters have like their own different specializations. You know, you touched on the um, the Soul Scryer. You know, he allows you to effectively outflank your units. So if you take like a a, a Thrall army, or you you know you have a couple of units of Reavers or whatever, one of the cool things about Reavers now is they get plus one to hit if they're within nine inches of the enemy. So mm. you can bring them on with the Soul Scryer you know just outside of nine inches but you know if someone charges you or whatever you know you can unleash hell and because you're within nine inches you get plus one to hit so effectively it negates that unleash hell negative oh yeah yeah and stick them next to low turn and they're wounding on twos yeah so like i said all of the characters all of the units in this battle tome are, are all worth taking and if i was sort of like collecting i don't know if today i i'd probably just want to have like one of everything maybe duplicate like a couple of units here and there but they've done such a good job writing this battle tome i mean looking at the fire slayers when we were chatting about them last week my only issue with the fire slayers is they don't have the versatility that i don't know have because you've got shooting units you've got combat units you've got fast moving units you've got wizards you've got monsters you've got everything yeah, it's. I I think they've done a really good job with this, but with it just the, like you say that it's it's a shame that the fireside don't have the, the 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 range of units and the flexibility because really honestly your biggest problem with the Eidmith book is going to be trying to fit in all the stuff that you want because everything's good and that is a good problem to have with a book. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's what we always look for, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, from 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 a path to glory point of view, we, we, it's all covered in the in the review, but we'll cover it uh, briefly. They have got their own kind of bespoke path to glory section, where you've got your own quests, and essentially their their gimmick is that they're trying to collect souls, and then they can use those souls to um, mitigate the effects of losing units. In in our path to glory games, when you start losing models from your units, that's quite devastating, really, at low points levels. So what they can you do is spend those souls to keep their units alive because essentially they exist off the souls of their enemies. So I thought that was a really cool thing. Uh, other than that, the usual stuff, you've got unique territories. You've got um, a special the, the Uber 66 territory role result is a coral reef that that produces souls. So you've always got some soul fuel to to mitigate any losses. Uh, yeah, really, really fun book. Uh, massive thumbs up. I 
I've got a lot of the aquatic stuff, but I never had much of the uh, the kind of infantry stuff. So uh, me and Andy split the, the the battle box, and I want to pick up some of the the characters, Lotan in particular. And like Andy said, I think having one of each unit gives you a good foundation for for building an army. So yeah, really really cool. Uh, again, want to thank Gamesworks for sending us a copy a little early to review. Um, I think. We've, we've, in both systems, we've seen some really powerful books. We've seen some not so powerful books. I don't think Deepkin, while powerful, I think hit the sweet spot of being a flexible and fun list to play with. Yeah, I I don't think we're going to be dominating tournament scene. I don't think we. I I don't think if I played you, Matt, for example, I don't think the the strength of your army would be crushing. You know, I, I don't think I'd look at Ideneth Deepkin Army and think, oh, no, but, yeah, I'm going to be tabled by turn one, turn two. You know, but mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're such a well done battle tone. But I think in the right hands, we're going to do incredibly well. But you need to know what you're doing to get the most out of them. And for me, looking at them, if I was starting an Age of Sigmar army, Ideneth Deepkin or one of those armies that I think you could play for the next five years with this battle tome and uh, yeah you could compete in whatever field you wanted to play in there you go some great summary points there from both Andy and Matt and once again I'll just remind you that you can check out the podcast notes uh, and check out the link for the written review that Matt uh, put together um, to check out a few more details on uh, on the book I think it's time for our ever-popular top three, so we're going to take a break, grab a brew, and we'll be right back. And so it is time for this week's top three, where we're going to be looking at kill teams we'd like to see within the game. Kill team. So quite a simple, straightforward top three. Um, we did also ask the community via our social media channels. We'll be reading out those selections uh, in the next and final segment but for now we're going to run through our choices what 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 kill teams would we like to see and i'm going to start us off first this week uh, with my third choice so my third choice is a slightly unusual one i think although i think i did spot somebody on twitter had said pretty much the same thing i am currently building an orlock warband for Ooh. necromunda how fun would it be to bring them into kill team I, I think they'd be. I think they'd be a lot I think, of fun. I, I think it'd be cool to have rules to take the various gangs of Necromunda into game of the kill team. I think that'd be that'd be like doable with the range of different parts on the sprues as well. Yeah, they 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 have the versatility, like the 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 range of weaponry. Um, okay, they're not going to be very strong. They're not very armored when you compare them to like you know terminators and stuff we'd have quite a few of them they'd be great at doing actions I, I think i think they'd be a really really good fit for for kill team especially maybe something like the vansar and um, yeah i'd really like to see my orlocks my second choice is actually a, a unit you can already take in kill team but i would like to see it expanded much in the way that we've seen upgrades bruised to the chaos space marines and we've seen upgrades boost to the Pathfinders. So we all know that I'm a big fan of the Death Watch. Um, Death Watch veterans are very cool. You can give them lots of gear. They work very well for Kill Team. 
Primaris Marines, not so much. So they're your basic Primaris intercessors, just with silver shoulder pads, basically. I would like to see an upgrade spree, which allows them to take stuff like storm shields, different weapon options, shotguns, really mix the unit up like you could do with the veterans. I think that'd be really fun. And I think it's very doable with how they're doing these battle boxes. Yeah, I mean, even a couple of head swaps, you know, having like a a blood claw head and then, you know, with a big sort of mohawk and, you know, stuff like that would really personalise your your Primaris Marines for for Deathwatch. Yeah, absolutely. I think think when you see uh, units of intercessors in in the Deathwatch, they just all look too much like the same. And that's not what really the Deathwatch are about. They're about, uh, you know, their own individual natures and stuff. So I'd really like to see that, like, for an upgrade spree. And that actually very quickly leads me to my top choice. And I believe this has been, again, I had a cast over the community. I think this is quite a popular one. Um, I would love to see an inquisitorial retinue because I love the Inquisition. I think it's a no-brainer. A few people have pulled out Eisenhorn. I'd run with that. I'd love to see um, the the names of Eisenhorn's retinue have disappeared um out of my head right now now i'm under pressure but they'd all make great characters within um the the um the kill team universe um so i'd love to see that or just let me build my own build my own inquisitor with his own little retinue i'd be all over kill team if if i was able to do that yeah that'd be that'd be quite cool wouldn't it um would you go would you go into like specific named people or would you just go for generic um if Eisenhorn's retinue came out, then I'd probably dive into obviously those name characters. Um, but yeah, I think actually personally, I prefer to build my own. Cool. And uh, Matt, what is your top three? So, well, in number three, this will be no surprise to anyone. Um, so yeah, spoilers. But I would love to see, and we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but unmarked demons of chaos, specifically mm. the demons under Bellacor's they're all and i i reckon they would make a decent demon kill team as well it gives you an excuse to put out a brand new demon sprue that can be weird and wacky and unmarked and just gribbly demon without having to be bound to one of the four gods mm. and obviously with the kill team sprues each model can be unique and have its own abilities and yeah i, I just think that'd be a nice way of adding a new unit to the demons of chaos absolutely yeah it would so so that'd be cool on a similar theme, I would love to see the Dark Mechanicum added via Kill Team. So this could, you know, there's lots of wacky, cool stuff you can do with the Dark Mechanicum. And I'm thinking something along the lines of the the Rogue Trader and the Gellapox infected Kill Teams that they put out um, in, in Rogue Trader. Mm. And have a sprue with a variety of different Dark Mechanicum units as opposed to, say, a unit of one type of dark mechanicum obviously that's a little bit different than the kind of kill teams that we're seeing at the moment but that could easily be uh, if you think from from can you slot this into 40k armies as well that mixed unit of random dark mechanicum stuff could easily work just as well in you know as a, as a random unit you can take in a chaos space marine army and it'd be a converter's dream uh, i know i know where uh, regular listener gem has a dark mechanicum force that he's converted up so i'm sure he'll be all over stuff like that and Absolutely. yeah dark mechanicum need to be added to the game we've got a couple of units from blackstone we need more they, but they, keep, appear, one... they keep appearing in the lore as well don't they uh, as recent as uh, caradron and stuff so yeah they've got to make an appearance at some point 
Yeah, oh, absolutely. But my number one choice, the top of my list is, can you guess what it is, Dave? Oh, it, it couldn't be those little short guys, could it? It absolutely could be. Squats, squat kill team, start them off as a kill team and then expand them to an army in the future. That is the dream that we all hold as loyal squat fans. Games Workshop, please make it happen. I'll, 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 I'll leave a can of petrol under the tree for the squats to fill up their trikes with. I'm not sure where I'm going with this analogy, but uh, yeah, squats. <laughs> It's all about the squats. Yes, that is all. Thank you much. <laughs> um, Andy, go on, hit us with your top three. So my my top three, I've gone for a bit of a theme, and that's terror. So what's more terrifying when you're fighting in, in a jungle? Is it the creatures that are going to be trying to kill you? No, probably not. Is it the... Xenos hiding in the bushes? No, it is, of course, the Catatown jungle fighters. And of all the Imperial Guard, I mean, you mentioned like Inquisitors and stuff like that. For me, the Catachan are so full of character that for me, you know, it'd be so cool to see them, especially if you could build a kill team that was very similar to a kill team that took on an alien presence <laughs> in the jungle. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so, yeah, that'd be ace. Yeah, I, I think Katachan Jungle Fighters would be an awesome uh, kill team to have, and it'd be a great way to introduce a new plastic Katachan kit. Um, and like I said, they're, they're all dead characterful. You know, you, you could really go to town on them. So, yeah, for my, my third choice is the Katachan Jungle Fighters. My second choice, and I think Jay will be dead happy to hear this, but my second choice is actually fitting with the theme of Predators is some striking scorpions. Now, these guys are obviously, you know, pretty terrifying. I mean, imagine being a Katachan jungle fighter, you know, you, you're a top dog in the jungle, and all of a sudden a chainsaw just pops out of nowhere, you know, Manda blasters going off. And everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? Well, the striking scorpions are, um, you know, they are the top predators. And I think in Kill Team, having, you know, a cool mechanic where they can move quicker and, you know, hide in the shadows and strike when you least expect it and stuff, I think it would be super cool to see some striking scorpions come in. And and again, you could introduce new war gear options. You know, the, the big focus with, Aspect Warriors is the Exarch. Well, you could really go to town and have like an unhelmeted version of it. Mm. Um, you know, this sort of stuff. And again, you know, these little kill teams, they really do lend themselves to small elite forces and the striking mm. scorpions would be really cool to see in that regard. So that that's a my, that's my second choice. My first choice has to be some sort of chaos related warband because I'm a big fan of chaos. And I saw a picture on Twitter the other day. I think it's actually on the Warhammer Warhammer community website where um, they gave out the uh, Kill Team Nackbund box to some very talented painters. And one of them painted up the um, Chaos Space Marine from Kill Team Nackbund with the chainsaw, but put a jump pack from the Raptors kit on the back. 
And as soon as I saw that, I just thought to myself, you know what would be so unbelievably amazing would be a Night Lord's kill team because they just fit that feel so well. You know, you could have like two or three actual Night Lords, you know, jump pack, giant chainsword, maybe, you know, a couple of knives. I think there's um, uh, one of the operatives in the um, Nackman box comes with two small knives and almost like a, a skull um face mask very similar to like space marine reavers and stuff you know that you don't get much more night lord even that and then you just you know fill out some uh cultists and stuff like that because again like from like black library black library novels that i've you know spoken to people about and stuff um you know the night lords are not opposed to using um you know cultists to flush out enemy booby traps or you know lure uh, enemy forces into a trap you know we send in waves and waves of cultists the cultists fall back the enemy fought, follows after him trying to run them down and then the night lord spring ambushes you know and again having a kill team like that would be so cool plus while i would love to do a full night lord army they're definitely not on my sort of top 10 priorities right now but doing them for kill team Oh, yeah, they would suit Kill Team so well, and especially if they bring back the um, bat helmets and do like a modern version of those. Yeah. yeah, that would be so cool. I'd be all over that, Andy. I forget yeah. who did the conversion. Was it Tyler Mengel or someone like that? It was really cool anyway. Yeah, yeah it, it was a very cool conversion. Uh, um, so, yeah, Night Lords is, is definitely my top choice. Excellent. Do you know one, I think I've mentioned in a previous show, and I don't understand why it hasn't got rules yet. Um, Gorn's Ghosts. Um, so that's a unit yeah. you can get hold of for the Astro Militech. They're already out and would be an absolute perfect fit for Kill Team, yet you can't, um, there's no rules for those yet. You know what I'd like to say? Again, Christmas release, Kill Team Compendium, rules for all the stuff like that, rules for the Gellapox, rules for the Rogue Trader thing, release those sprues separately. I think that'd be a nice way to do it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hopefully they'll do something like that. Excellent. Well, you've heard our top three picks. What about the community? Let's take a pause and we'll come back with this week's final segment. So we sent out our very own bat signal for your community top three picks. And you again have not let us down. Over on Facebook, Dan Topping, he starts this with purely wishlisting, I'd say. His third choice is an Inquisitorial Retinue kill team. His second choice is a Crute slash Vespid Auxiliary kill team. That's a good shout. And his top choice is a Lictor kill team. Yeah, that'd be ace. You know what? I, I That's a really good idea because we're thinking kill teams as being a, a unit of, you know, 8 to 12 infantry. Mm. But actually... That'd be a really nice way of releasing new lictors and have different builds of lictors. Do you know who else would be really cool in Kill Team? What? Sly Marbo. This is true. <laughs> this is true. Uh, Stephen Roberts, uh, his third choice is Rogue Trader. This would be a great chance to showcase some of the stranger races in 40k that don't normally make it to the tabletop. His second choice is a Legion of the Damned, mysterious space marines that appear at times of desperate need when all hope seems lost. Sign me up. 
But that's not his top choice. His top choice is the squat, as we need more of these chaps in 40k. Sean Gleeson, his third choice is also an inquisitorial retinue, maybe an Eisenhorn retinue. His second choice is squats, and his top choice is reissue the rogue trader kill team by itself. Nick Rapson says his third choice is a squat kill team. Second choice is an inquisitorial retinue. And his top choice is a space wolf wolfen pack, which would be a really good way of getting Primaris wolfen, wouldn't it? It If such a thing existed in the law. Finally, on Facebook, Josh Upton has his third choice, a new scout kill team armed to the teeth with all kinds of cool equipment, maybe even with novices for each of the various Space Marine HQs, like Tech Marines, Librarians, that's, that's cool. Uh, his second choice is a bespoke Necron kill team where each model is a different, uh, is a lot more individual as that's something Necrons have struggled with. Something akin to the cryptic harbingers of fifth edition would be very interesting. It's a problem with Necrons, isn't it? Apart from the HQs, they're all just mindless frolls, really, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, maybe there's something they could do there. Uh, his top choice is also the Lost and the Damned. I'd love to see a multi-part cultist kit with options for all kinds of weird and wacky chaos operatives like Chaos Og- uh, Chaos Ogrins, Beastmen, Psychics, etc. Honourable mention, Rebel Grots. I just realised he said Lost and the Damned. I was getting when I said another one, the other guy said Legion and the Damned. I was getting my uh, my ones a bit confused there. Um, Matt, what have we got over on Twitter? So Jem says squats. Don't call them short or they'll bite your kneecaps. Number two, an Inquisitor super team. All Inquisitors, no followers. And Dark Mechanicus, in the law, when will they get a release? Uh, Fabius Fulgrim says um, Tau Auxiliaries. These are humans that have signed with the Tau and been given Tau equipment. The Alpha Legion, and this is my favourite one, and I'm going to steal this one. A Chaos Space Marine Sorcerer who's able to summon demons. As ah, a yeah, that's cool. Um, anonymous anonymous Rex Reavers with an upgrade sprue. Yes, absolutely. I think they need a bit of variety. Death Guard of Pox Progenators. Nurgle themed Chaos Cultists with special plague weapons and Admech Explorators. Orlando says uh, Ecclesiarchy Black Priests. Ooh, the subgroup of Exorcists for the Ecclesiarchy. Uh, Loxatal mercenaries and Imperial resistance fighters, the normal Imperial citizens who take up arms and fight back. That's a great idea. G Ambulance Service says plastic solar auxiliary. Yes. Underlined chaos demons. Also, yes. And non Imperium humans. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Hurst says some kind of hive scum last chance types, mix and match, press ganged Necromunda models. Uh, Exodites would have been Eldar pirates, but we're getting them. And Inquisitors with a heavily customizable slash crazy retinue. Nevermore says Lictor Infiltrators. The Men of Iron. Yeah. Some sort of Drakari Nobles. Pete Allison says Abhumans, Squats, Rattlings and Ogrins. Frud and Assassinorium. Yep. Full of assassins in training. Amazing. Sombermind uh, says Squats, of course. Rules for Necromunda Gangs in Kill Team and the Officio Assassinorium. Him over there says the Praetorian 24th Guard Kill Team. Yes, the more pith helmets available, the better. So these were the kind of um, Rourke's Drift uh, kind of full on dress uniform types. They were amazing. Um, I don't want to reset the clock, but squats, ideally with their bikes slash trikes in some way. 
and Xeno Mercenaries to match the old photo from the third edition codex. Yes, do you remember which had the the Croot in there and the Hood Warriors and mm. the uh, the the Dog Soldiers? Yeah. Wild West Wargaming says, this is easy. Chaos Renegades and Cortis with nice options for the gods. A new Inquisitor with his entourage of killers. And squat, squat, squats. <laughs> Matt Smith says, mad boys led by a weird boy. Hiding place says, an Inquisitor with retinue, Croot, and ultramarine, tyrannic war veterans. So yeah, some good choices. Yeah, very cool. Lots for the um, Lots for the Inquisition there, which I really, really, really like. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll we'll see those uh, one day soon. That'll definitely get me into wanting to play Kill Team, I think, and get into play as my quizzes. Uh, that leads me to ask Matt, what would be next week's top three? Well, next week we're going to know the top three things you would like to see in the second half of 2022. You can get your choices in via social media. We will be putting a tweet and a Facebook message out. Um, shortly sort of the day or so before the next podcast recording so make sure you check that out and reply with your choices um and yeah i i actually believe that brings us this uh, this week's episode to a close we've uh, run out of content for this week uh, it's been great as always gents yeah it's been really good fun it has it's been a fun old show i'm looking forward to playing some more curse city as well yeah, and kill too. team and kills you and all of the games andy yeah all of the games games, all of the time all of the games and we will be back again next week hopefully with a full team fingers crossed until then have a great week of hobby and we'll speak to you again very soon Bye. bye bye thanks for listening to the spruce and bruise podcast for more content remember to check out spruceandbruise.com and if you'd like to get in touch with us send us a tweet at Spruce and Brews or head over to facebook.com forward slash Spruce and Brews.